Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10.30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois, 60926. We hope to see you this morning. Father, we thank you today for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for this resurrection day. And I pray, Father, that as we reflect on this day, that we remember that, Lord, it was because of the resurrection all of the promises of this book have been made real. And, Lord, we thank you for that, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Kids are not leaving the sanctuary today, just so you guys know. Well, we are going to be looking in Matthew 28 today, Resurrection Sunday. God is good, amen. We're going to go through kind of what we did Friday night, Holy Week events that happened from Palm Sunday till Good Friday, and then today we'll cover Sunday. Monday was the cursing of the fig tree, Matthew 21, also the cleansing of the temple, also in Matthew 21. Tuesday was a busy Tuesday for the, for the Lord. Matthew 21, 22, and 23, there was the lesson of the withered fig tree, the challenge of Jesus' authority, the parables of warning, all in 21. 22, we have the debate of the Jewish leaders. 23, we have the denunciation of the scribes and the Pharisees, and in 24, the, the discourse of the last things. Wednesday was pretty silent for the Lord, but it was the conspiracy of the chief priests in Matthew 26, two flashbacks of the anointing of Jesus and the, pilot and the, pl and the plot of Jesus, Matthew 26 as well. Maundy Thursday, the Last Supper, Gethsemane, the betrayal and arrest, the trial before the Jewish authorities, all on Matthew 20, in Matthew 26. Matthew 27, we have the trial before Pilate, the crucifixion and the burial. In 27, Matthew 27. Today we are looking at Matthew 28, the resurrection, <clears throat> the reason that we're here. The reason that we call Jesus our Lord, the resurrection. I said Friday night that he is the only one who has been resurrected. Buddha didn't do it, didn't do that. Confucius didn't do that. Nobody else has done that. But Jesus has. And so that's why we're here today, amen? Chapter 28. At the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And then there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone 
from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his garments white as snow. Imagine that. Imagine seeing that. That'd be amazing. We talked Friday night how when Jesus, was, Jesus died on the cross, there was the, the, the garment was rent in two in the, in the temple from top to bottom. There was an earthquake and there was resurrections of people that had died, holy people that have died. If that didn't make you believe, I don't know what will. But this angel described as like lightning and his garments were as white as snow. Man, these, the, God, the, the, the Lord's just given these people all kinds of evidence of who he is. The soldiers, the, the soldiers shook for fear of him and be, became like dead men. They passed out at the sight of the holiness of these angels. Was it for fear? I don't know. But nevertheless, the sight of it made them faint. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where they lay, where the Lord lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and, and indeed he is going before you to Galilee, where you will see him. Listen, I have told you. So then, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. As they went to tell his disciples, suddenly Jesus met them, saying, Greetings! They came and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. <clears throat> so, Jesus met them on the road. And it says about Jesus, too, that not only did he show himself to the brethren and to Mary and Mary, Mary Magdalene, and not only that, but he was alive and teaching for 40 days after his resurrection. The ascension was 40 days after this. So, everybody saw him. It was, he wasn't hiding away in, in, you know, rooms and stuff with the, with, with the disciples. He was out teaching and preaching for 40 days. So, there should have been, and there probably was, a lot of people who believed then after that. Because a lot of people saw him being beaten, being scourged, being made to walk up to Golgotha, hanging and hang on the, hung on the cross and die. A lot of people witnessed that. And here he is yet for 40 days preaching and teaching the gospel after that Sunday. So naturally, those who believe would be emboldened in their faith and those who didn't would probably want to believe or believed because what he said was true. 
We talked about when, when he said that he was going to tear, tear down the temple in three days, bring it back up again. <clears throat> and how they mocked him on the cross for that saying. He's proven that saying. His temple is not, was not the physical temple. As we said Friday night, it was his body. The Bible says of our bodies, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we are referred to as temples, just like we said Friday night. So Jesus was not talking about a physical building. He was talking about his body, and they didn't get it. Well, now people are getting it. Amen? People are getting it now. He says in verse 11, While they were going, indeed some of the soldiers went into the city and described to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave much money to the soldiers saying, You are, you are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were sleeping. Now, think about that statement for a moment, okay? The chief priests and all that were, not, then they had to acknowledge, well, he was who he said he was. He was asking them to basically die because the penalty for falling asleep on guard at this time in Rome was death. They killed them. They were not to fall asleep on their guard. So the chief priests were asking them to give up their lives, give up their lives for this lie. And they gave them a lot of money. What would the money be good for if they were dead? They probably would do what they did with Judas Iscariot. They probably would go buy something with it because it would be blood money. They couldn't put it back into the coffers, right? He said, you are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were sleeping. And thereby acknowledging... Oh man, he was who he said he was. Lie about it now. We don't, want this to, we don't want this to spread. We don't want the people to be emboldened against Rome. We, don't want, we want this lie to continue. Imagine that. They had to acknowledge that Jesus was who he said he was. So how many times in our life, that begs the question, doesn't it? How many times in our lives do we see things and, and God bring, puts us into situations where the only thing we can do is acknowledge that God is who he says he is and do we do that? And there are many different situations in our lives that would help us to, that, that God would help us to acknowledge that. I look at a lot of things in my own life and I look at things that have happened in our lives and, and my life and the lives of you guys here. And how many times are things that God has worked out and the only thing we can realize is that God is the one who did it and it wasn't by the fortitude of anything else but God. And we have to acknowledge that God is who he said he is. But do we do it? Do we acknowledge God? I think about things, I, I think about a lot of things. I think about my brother who was on the brink of death in January and now is 
relatively healthy. That was not just my brother's fortitude. That was not just the doctors. That was not just the medication. That was God. And we have to acknowledge that. There's a lot of things. And, you, and we all have stories like that, I'm sure. And we have to acknowledge things like that. Say, well, that was God. That wasn't my own fortitude. That wasn't the doctors. That, wasn't, that was God. God was watching. God was doing things. So we have to acknowledge him in our lives. That's important. In the good times and in the bad times and in the ups and the downs, God is in control, amen? Some might say, well, my loved one that I've been praying for died, so is, was that God? Yeah. God decided to heal that person on the other side. Still a healing. It just didn't happen the way we wanted. And that's what we said Friday night. Jesus, or last, or Palm Sunday, it was Palm Sunday, too, we said this. They all come in, he was coming in on a, on a donkey, and they were putting down palm leaves and saying, blessed be the name of the Lord, you know, and all this stuff, and they were wanting him to be their deliverer. Well, he was their deliverer, but not the way they wanted. So, the, by the next week, they were yelling, crucify him. How many times do we do that? God, we ask God for a healing for our loved one and God, tend, God will take them home. To us, that's not a healing, so we're going to say, we don't want any part of you, God, because you didn't do what I wanted. How many times has that happened? But, but if you think about it, though, God taking someone home is a better healing than he would ever give them here. Amen? Amen. I did a funeral a, a, a while back, probably like a month ago. And one thing I said in that funeral was that person's moment in heaven right now is better than the best day we'll ever have in our life. And that's true. That person's moment, moment, our 60 seconds, 30 seconds, is better than our best 24 hours we'll ever have. That's the difference between the healing on this part of heaven, side of heaven, and the healing over there. We don't like that, but that's true. And we have to acknowledge that. And they had to acknowledge who God was, who Jesus was. And they said, well, let's not do that. Let's keep this lie going. We don't want an uprising. That's essentially what they were saying. We don't want an uprising. We don't want his disciples to be emboldened and have an uprising. Or better yet, maybe they're thinking, if he really is alive, we don't want him to be gathering people to overthrow Rome. Which he wasn't going to do anyway. He never did anyone. That yeah, wasn't in the plan. But that's what they were thinking. So lie about it. Tell them that his disciples stole his body. No, no, no. They, they, that lie wouldn't have lasted too long because he preached and taught for 40 days afterwards. If this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you secure. 
So we'll protect you from dying. Sure, until their heads are on the line, right? So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying has been commonly reported among the Jews to this day. Verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority have, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and remember I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, let's, let's dissect this a little bit. This is my, one of my favorite part, portions of Scripture in the book of Matthew. But let's look at this for a moment. Some doubted. Why would you doubt? He's right there. He's right there. And you remember old doubting Thomas? I won't believe unless I see, unless I can put my fingers in his hands and my, or his, my fingers in his hand and my hand in his side. So Jesus let him do that. And he said, my Lord and my God. But still some doubted. Doesn't say much about the some after this point. But his commission was not just for them. It's for us too. That commission is for us too. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now, how does that happen today in Claytonville, Illinois, where we have 12 people that are of the same nationality? How does that happen? Right over there. That's how that happens. With our YouTube channel, we are global. I have seen that people watch these videos in the Philippines. They watch these videos in the Czech Republic. They watch these videos all over the world. So that's how we are doing that from this little building. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? Well, we encourage people that if they have a home church where they're at to go to that home church or find a good Bible-believing church, and then you can get baptized there. It'd be, it would be not feasible to ask people from other countries to fly out here to be baptized. It wouldn't be cost-effective. But if you encourage people to find a Bible-believing church where they're at and be baptized there, you're doing what's commanded baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. Biblical teaching. Biblical teaching. We do that here too. But we must understand that we have to, not only the pastor, but any individuals have to understand biblical teaching so that you are equipped 
to minister to those around you. Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, and it was a great thing. And yes, all the promises are wrought from the resurrection, but he gives us a commission to go therefore and make disciples. It's not just the pastor's job. It's the church's job. That doesn't mean that this building, it means we are the church. You are the church. I am the church. If this building would be gone tomorrow, we would still be the church. A church is not defined by the building. A church is defined by those who enter the building. So our teaching should be biblical from the pulpit to the pew. And if it is not biblical, then you have to re-examine the one who's teaching. And I said that correctly. If I am not teaching correctly, then I don't need to be here teaching. I strive and I pray and I do the things that are required so that I am giving biblical teaching. And by the Lord's command, I command us to do the same. Read the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Pray. Ask for God's direction in the Word so that we are equipped as a body and as individuals to minister to those around us, to make disciples of all nations. Now, let's think about that for a moment. <clears throat> Brendan Wayne worked jobs outside the home. Joanne's with Grief Share. Amy works a job outside the home. Ralph goes to coffee, I'm sure, still every once in a while. Sandy and Jim and Ruth have rubbed shoulders with people. Are they all of the same nationality or do they have different backgrounds and from different countries that are just here in the United States. You know, in the United States, there's a lot of countries represented. And you can work in a job and you can work with Americans. You can work with people from Mexico. You can work with people from other areas down around the world in America. So in a way, when we are preparing ourselves to go make disciples of all nations. Right in our workplace, we're making disciples of all nations. So it is not the missionary's job fully because we are missionaries. We are missionaries to our little communities, to our little workplaces, or big workplaces, depending on the size of the building. But our workplaces... When I was, when we had neighbors, we don't have neighbors anymore. The one neighbor on the, on the left side, the house is abandoned. The neighbor on the right side, she, she stays with her dad quite a bit, so she's not there very often. But when we had neighbors, I spent a lot of times in the backyard, and I called it mission, missions over the back fence. And what it basically was, was we would talk to the neighbors about God across the fence, it wasn't like Tim Taylor and Wilson. It wasn't like that. But it was across the fence. We would talk about God. That's a mission field. 
That's a mission field right there. Making disciples of all nations. And commanding them teaching them to observe all things commanded you that I commanded you. We must remember that. As a little as a as a denomination, the United United Brethren, we have UB Global and there's a lot of missionaries in a lot of different countries. And sometimes I remember I talked with someone years ago and they said, "Man, you know, it'd be great to be a missionary because you could see all kinds of things happen in other countries." And I said, yeah, that would be, but you're a missionary right here. Sometimes the mission field is right in your own home. You know? You teach your, you, did you teach your kids the word of God? That's a mission field. We've got a mission field with two boys in the back there. Teaching our kids the word of God. Do you teach your grandkids the word of God? Are you an example? That's a mission field. You see, we're all missionaries. We don't have to go hop on a plane for 14 hours, 16 hours to another country to share the word of God to be a missionary. Missions is right here. Missions is right here. Friday night, we're going to have a dinner, missions dinner. If you can come, come. Shannon and Becky are going to talk about their missions over in Africa. But just because they went over there doesn't mean that they're the only missionaries in the room. We're all missionaries. We're on a mission from God. Remember that old Blues Brothers movie? I'm on a mission from God. Remember that? That's an old movie. I remember that when I was a kid, but... We're on a mission from God. We're going to heaven, and the mission is take as many as you can with you. That's the mission. One of the great things Jesus says to us is he says, and remember that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's with us always, even to the end of the age. And that's a great promise. A promise that is wrought by the resurrection. Because if he wasn't God, he wouldn't be able to be with us till the end of the age. I have many people in my family that have gone on to be with the Lord. And they're not with me till the end of the age, they're with God. I can't feel their presence because they weren't God. But Jesus is God. And you can feel his presence in your life. That's him being with you even to the end of the age. When we're going through something, when we feel like, well, you know, I'm just not cut out to be a Christian. We've all been there. Or I'm not cut out to witness to people. I just don't have that ability. I'm not a people person. Guess who's with you? Jesus. Guess who's willing to teach you to be a people person? 
Jesus. Guess who's willing to encourage you to continue to be a Christian? Jesus. Maybe you've lost a loved one and you're sad. Guess who's with you? Jesus. He is with us even to the end of the age. He'll be with us on those moments when we go to someone and we talk to them about the Lord and they, sh they shut us down and tell us to stop talking and walk away. He's with us in that rejection. He's with us in the moments when people accept and they, and they give their hearts to the Lord in that moment. He's with us in that moment as well. He is with us in the moment of sickness and when with us in the moment of death. He's with us even to the end of the age. He says always. I like that word always. That means he doesn't punch a time clock. He doesn't take days off. He doesn't work eight hours a day, nine to five, don't bother him before nine, don't talk to him after five. That's not the Lord. Always means always. If you're going through something in the middle of the night, he's there. If you're discouraged and you need a touch from God, he's there. It doesn't matter what time it is. Time is not relative in heaven. He is outside of time. And he's with us till the end of the age. So what is our excuse? What's your excuse? What's my excuse for not sharing the gospel as we should? What is our excuse? Do we have an excuse? I mean, if you look over the events of Good Friday to Easter Sunday, we are without excuse. We are. He did all of the hard work. He didn't ask me to die. Not yet. He didn't ask me to get beat. Not yet. He didn't ask those things of us yet. But he did it himself. There's something that I was taught in, in management school that applies here. Never ask an employee, now I'm not downgrading our relationship with God in this analogy, but understand, I was taught in management school, never ask an employee to do something you would not do yourself. And in management school, they say things like, if you're not willing to clean a toilet, don't ask anybody else to clean a toilet. Jesus died on a cross because he was willing to do it. And then he has the right to ask us to do the same. Because he did it first. And he would be with us even in that moment. He did all the hard work. He died on the cross. Rose again on the third day. So that we could live a life of holiness before him without having to go through that. But if he were to ask us to do that, he would have the right because he's done it first. Does that make sense? If he asked us to die for our faith, 
He would have the right to do that. Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. He is the authority. Not me. Not you. Not any TV preacher you might watch. Not any self-help book author. We're not authorities. Jesus is authority. He's been given all authority on heaven and on earth. What he says goes. What he says goes. And it was all because he went, he followed through. I talked on Friday night. I said, well, and he went to Gethsemane and he was praying and they were sleeping. He could have went off another way. He could have went anywhere else and just was gone. They wouldn't have known any different. They were sleeping. But he didn't do that. I also said Friday night that he knew how it was going to feel to be whipped. He knew how it was going to feel to be nailed to that cross. He knew how all of that was going to feel. And he could have walked away and he didn't. He didn't. He stayed the course. So he has every right to command us to do something. Because he did it all first. He was tempted in the wilderness. It says there was no temptation under heaven or that every manner man of temptation, Jesus went through it. He has commanded to, he has, he has authority to command us to walk away from temptation because he did. He has, he has the authority to tell us to lay down our lives because he did. He has all authority. And if he wouldn't have been resurrected, that authority would not have been there. He wouldn't have had authority. But he was resurrected, so authority, his authority is there. So when you think about the resurrection, we think about how Jesus came and he rose again and we're to rejoice in that, and we are, but, there, but we're to rejoice in that, but there comes a obligation. There comes with it a charge of our life having to be more than what it is now. Make disciples. He has every right to ask us that and tell us that. He did the same thing. He didn't do anything that he, he did not do something. He asked, he's, what he's asked us to do, he didn't do first, is what I'm trying to say. Whatever he asked us to do, whatever he would ask us to do, he has already done it. So he has the authority and through it all, he'll be with us even to the end of the age. We see that in the Gospels with Stephen in the book of Acts. Not the Gospels, the book of Acts. Stephen is stoned, and what, what does he see? He sees heaven open up, and he sees the Lord. He was with him in that. He's with us to the end of the age in every circumstance. So the question we must ask ourselves, 
is how much do we really trust Jesus? I've given us evidence here today that would suggest that Jesus is with us regardless. And he only has our best interests at heart and, he, and he's already done everything he's asked us to do. What is our excuse for not doing the things that Jesus Christ is asking us to do? What is our excuse? Go and make disciples. I don't know how to do that. Well, guess what? He's with you. He'll teach you, and he's already done it, so he has every authority to ask you that. What is our excuse? I want you to think about that this week. And if there is an excuse, and sometimes there is, I want you to ask God to help you through that excuse. Because you know what? Look around us for a moment. We don't have a building with busting at the seams with people, do we? Why is that? Some might say, well, it's a location, it's not any, nobody wants to come, you know, or maybe it's, you know, whatever the case. We all say things like that. But why is that? Why aren't we out sharing the gospel? Why aren't we out talking to people? I'm not suggesting you're not, but that's a question. Why aren't we out talking to people? Why aren't we out making disciples? Why aren't we compelling, compelling them to come in? Why aren't we doing those things? You know what? Someone told me the other day, we were talking about this church, and I said one of our issues is probably location. I said that myself. You know what this person said to me? They said to me, you know what? If people want Jesus, they'll go to any place to hear, to hear Jesus, to hear about Jesus. Doesn't matter where it is. They'll drive anywhere to hear about Jesus if they want to hear about Jesus. So that means we don't have an excuse. We can say, oh, we're behind the corn, we're behind the corn bins and we got no parking and we got, it don't matter. That don't matter. <clears throat> if people want to hear about Jesus, they will come. But you know how they're going to hear about Jesus from us if we tell them? If we tell them about Jesus, and I don't want to hear anything about, well, I'm not a people person. Jesus is there for, to teach you that. I don't want to hear anything about, well, I'm too old. No, no, I don't I want to hear that. You know how old some of the people in the New Testament were when they were sharing the gospel with people? A lot older than us. I don't want to hear that. Because Jesus will give you the strength and give you the ability to do that. Maybe it's something like writing letters. Does anybody in here write paper letters anymore? Okay. Write a letter. Does anybody in here send cards anymore? Send a card. It's not just... The fact that we're so, so technologically advanced, we can't say, well, I don't know how to do technology, so I don't know how to do it. Do it old school. Write letters. Send cards. Invite people. You know, I remember when, I, when these kids are little, 
they're, well, they're still little, but when they were really little, you know what they loved? Getting mail from their teachers and getting mail from my family and her family. Postcards and letters. They loved it. Send kids letters. You got grandkids? You probably send letters to your grandkids. Keep doing that. If there's little kids in your life, send letters. Invite them to church. Invite them. A lot of people will come if you invite them. My brother would have came today, but he was sick. I invited him and I said, you want to come? He's like, yeah, we'll come. It's all it takes it's for, for some people. He lives 10 minutes away. I said, you can come every Sunday then. He's like, I don't know. I said, listen. I said, listen, I drive farther than you do, so don't tell me. And I'm there every week. He goes, but you're the pastor. I said, I don't care. I'm there every week. I said, you can come. He's like, I know, I know, I know. But invite people. Talk to people. You want things to pass out? Right here in this podium, there's things you can pass out to people. You got boxes and boxes of invitation cards. Send them out. Give them to people. Right? We can do that. We can do that. We need to do more of that. Amen? Summer's coming. We have no excuse. Oh, it's too cold. I don't want to get out in this weather. It's raining. I, my arthritis is acting up. You know what my doctor told me when I told her I said I can't get a walk in the rain because my arthritis acts up? It said, go out for a walk anyway. It'll loosen you up. So there's no excuse. No excuse whatsoever. You cannot say, oh, I'm too sore. My doctor said, go walking if you're too sore. We have no excuse. And Jesus has every right to tell us to do these things because he did it. And he's with us because of the resurrection. Amen. That's why he's there. That's why, that's why he's there. Does that make sense? This is a good challenge for until next Easter. Let's work on our relationship with Christ. Let's work on our relationship with each other. And if we do that and we show love in here, that love will overflow and we will share with others and others will come in. One thing I don't want to hear, and I'm not going to step on anybody's toes, but I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that we're too small and nobody wants to come and we probably won't be around for too long and blah, blah, blah. blah. I don't want to hear that. <clears throat> I want to hear that God is working in our lives and he is working in our lives. We have a person right there that says that God's working in our, her life. She's bad. She got healed of all that stuff. She's out of the hospital. Was that God? Yeah. I would say so. Wouldn't you say so? God worked in her life. We got another miracle back there. Ralph had COVID. He's in the age where that's a dangerous thing. He's still there. Was that God? Yeah. 
Think about those things and say, well, God is working. Don't say things like, well, we probably won't be around for five more years because we've got blah, 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 whatever. Don't worry about that. Let God worry about that. Let's just worry about bringing people in. Let's worry about sharing our faith. Let's worry about talking about God with others and being an encouragement to one another and others around us. Amen? If we're small and mighty, that's fine. But we need to do the work of God. We need to do the work of God. This church has been here over a hundred years, right? Over a hundred years it's been here. And we're still in operation. You know what a feat that is in today's day and age? So many churches have gone online that they close the buildings because nobody will come back because of everyone likes being doing things online. But we're here, over 100 years old. Not, not, not us in the building. The building is over 100 years old. And we're still here in operation. That says something about God, doesn't it? God is not done with you. God is not done with me. God is not done with our building. Amen? I want to encourage you today. And I'm preaching to the choir and I'm preaching to myself when I say get off our duffs and do some work. Because I myself have to do some work. Right? I have to do it too. Because if, if I don't do it, I have no right to ask you to do it. Amen? Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, we pray that you would be with us today. We pray that you would touch us today by your Holy Spirit and that you would help us to look to you. Lord, it says right in your scriptures there that you are with us even to the end of the age. And Father, we may need encouragement today to keep going. We may need encouragement, Lord, to, to do the things you've called us to do. But Father, I pray that you're with us and that you would minister to us and help us to do those things that you've called us to do. And Lord, I pray that you would beckon the hearts of those around this county for your word. And if it be your will to send some to our door, Father, I pray that you'd send them. And Lord, that, they, that it would be an encouragement to us and an encouragement to them to be here in the midst of your presence. And Father, I thank you for that. Go with us today. Give us a good day of remembrance of your resurrection. Guide our conversations. Guide our times together as families and minister to us today. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I pray that you find value in this content. You can also find an audio podcast of this program on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today.